guys, I'm Demi Lovato. I'm Jason Derulo. Hey, I'm Lily Net Support Radio for the latest in technology and education news. Net Support. When it comes to school IT management, there has never been a better time to change. Hi, I'm Henry Platten, and today I'm the guest host of Net Support Radio. I'm here chatting with Al Kingsley. Morning, Al. Good morning, Henry. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed. And in particular, it's that time of year. The summer has come to an end, the leaves very soon will be turning golden brown on the trees, and yes, schools are back in. So what we're going to be having a chat about today is looking at some back-to-school guides, but in particular for school governors, which is an area that sometimes is, is missed off. And obviously, yeah. you know, as, as a school governor yourself, Al, I know obviously the different schools you work with, it's going to be great getting your thoughts and your input from that. Um, I think really to, to kick start it off, I mean, being a, a governor, I've never been one, but uh, you know, my dad has been, lots of my friends are, are school governors, and I know a lot of the, the, the pressure that can come along with that and the guidance that sometimes they need. A lot of it is information that's in their head, but sometimes checklists can help just to make sure that people are covering up what they need to. Yeah. What would you say, what's the, the key checklist for governors? And do you think it differs between local authority schools and academies? Um, well, absolutely, there is subtle differences. There's a lot of common ground, but the holy bible in terms of a school infrastructure and who does what is the schema delegation. And so most typically within an academy chain, there will be functions that from a local authority school would be tackled by the local governing body that are delegated up to be handled by trustees. And that would most typically be finance and personnel and the provision of a large number of the policies which are trust ratified by the trustees as opposed by the local governing body. So the local governing body will have school-specific policies to cover and they'll also have the, the main areas of, of, of discussion and challenge focusing around performance and outcomes. So that's the key order of the day at local school, as well as the normal statutory requirements and obligations of the, um, of the, of the, the governing body. So although there may be a different badge between whether you're a, an academy or a, a local authority school, there's, all, there's a, lot, a lot of common ground. And there are some kind of key things when it's the start of a new school year. Um, and I feel a bit depressed now. You said the leaves are almost about to turn brown, but nonetheless, <laughs> um, there are some stuff. And most of these things will be absolutely um, the kind of things that most governors will be aware of. But like all of us, when you're um, starting a new school year, just having that kind of checklist is always handy just to make sure you don't miss something silly. Of course, a good clerk will always make sure you don't miss something silly, which is another important part of the governing body. So I would always say a good starting point is... Don't forget you've got to start the school year by getting nominations and electing your chair and vice chair of your governing body. If you're a trust, it's quite likely that the chair of the governing body will have been appointed by the trustees. So you'll have an election process either for both or for one. And of course, a vice chair is a great you know, stopper for covering when you're not available, but also succession planning within, within the, um, the school governing body. Um, if appropriate, you need to appoint your clerk for the local governing body, whether you have an in-school clerk or a local authority clerking service that supports you. Um, Set or review your meeting dates for the year and check for any clashes. Schools often are quite good at putting a, a schedule together for the year of all your governing body and, and subcommittee meetings. And then when you cross-check, you find it's on the same night as a Christmas carol concert or, <laughs> or other events where, yeah. where possible, you want to ensure that governors are able to attend those events. It's mm. kind of an important part of being part of the life of the governing body. Um, we touched on it. Review your scheme of delegation. Identify and check what the functions are that delegate a local governing body. So start the year by sitting down as a governing body and say, right, these are the things 
that we've been delegated to take responsibility for. Let's make sure they feed into our annual calendar of activities that we do and at which appropriate times during the year they'll feed into our, our governing body meetings. Um, based on the above, set your governing body objectives for the year. So, you know, there'll be different things that you want to focus on depending on where your school's at, what's happened with results and other activities. Yeah. So make sure those things um, weave through. Um, approve your school improvement plan. Sometimes that's done at different points in the year, but if it's the start of the year, it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Make sure you've reviewed and looked at the school improvement plan and how that's going to weave into what you do. Um, you absolutely have to, not always the most popular thing at governing body meetings, um, approve all the appropriate policies for the year ahead. Again, if you're in an academy, the trustees mm -hmm. will get dumped with quite a lot of those, but there's no policies are policies and they've got yeah. to be there. Yeah. And we'll perhaps come on to it, but you know, policies need to be on the website. That's one of the things that Ofsted will be checking that you're up to date, mm. you've got the appropriate policies, certainly for all those key things. Um, if you are uh, primary or they've got a cohort in your secondary school, obviously a big part of back to school, the first full governing body meeting will be reviewing the school's external exam and test results, looking at any of those outcomes, hopefully celebrating the successes of those areas, but also as a governing body looking at those areas within the curriculum where perhaps performance wasn't what was expected, and make sure there's sufficient discussion and challenge about how that's going to be tracked and monitored during the year, and what your head and SLT are proposing as interventions. You know, sometimes the conversation will start with, we did really well this year, but this year's cohort, oh, they're much tougher. You know, and the, the, the challenge has to be, okay, not let's set the bar that we expect lower, but what are we going to do extra to try and get them to the right point? Mm -hmm. you know, at secondary provision, we've got those two measures now, whether we like them or not, which we've got. Now that by the time we get to our results day, we can quickly assess what our attainment eight figure is. And then you're waiting six or eight weeks before you get the progress eight based on the national context. So irrespective of like academic abilities, we should always be trying to aspire for positive in the progress eight measure. And of course, attainment eight is always going to be important because that's the results that go onto kids' CVs and unlock future opportunities for them. So it's a really good time to focus on what's ahead, and it might be about inviting certain curriculum leaders to the next standards committee or curriculum committee, depending on what your school call it. And then there's a good follow-up from that. Um, and then set plans in place for any other bits for the local governing body or subcommittees, whether it's you know who's sitting on the different subcommittees, when you're going to be reviewing staff performance and progression uh, considerations and any things like that. And I suppose that's the kind of starting main block that you do. Yeah. There are other bits you can kind of think about, which is, you know, your induction process. Have you got new governors? We want governors to be um, effective, but it's quite a minefield when you first join a school and that's your kind of process. So making sure there's a time to meet the chair, meet the head, get a tour of the school, get the appropriate paperwork underway, and be aware of those initial training dates, governor induction dates, uh, safer recruitment, safeguarding, those kind of things mm. that will empower a governor to be able to be more effective and get get involved. Um, arrange relevant governor visits to the school for the term ahead. You know, at the end of the day, governors don't just turn up. That would be entirely inappropriate, but schedule them with the school at the times where it's practical and convenient to come along and get involved. Um, one that often gets forgotten and the one that gets picked up is make sure you update and complete your register of pecuniary interests. So, you know, if you're a governor and it happens to be that your partner works in the school or works as a supplier of goods, you need to declare that so yep. that there's no challenge to you having the, the wrong motives in the wrong mm. that you do. Um, so it's very much important to do that. Um, make sure you've got dedicated governors for those key areas um, set up as your link governors, so special, special areas of focus. The most common ones for that are things like SEND, link governor, your safeguarding governor, pupil premium, tracking and monitoring pupil premium. That's yep. one to get out there on the website as well, but make sure there's something there. 
Finance is one, so if we're talking about trust, probably not appropriate. Local authority school, absolutely. But if you're a, if you're a school where you're not part of a trust, having a, a someone who's got a, a link role, whether it's the what was the old responsible officer role that was required under, as it was catchily called, FOMSIS, Financial Management and Standards in Schools, but basically somebody that goes in and, and has a physical check to say, well, I know we reported that the cash book said this and we had this much in the petty cash tin, but can we actually physically look at some of those items? Sometimes that's really useful for those kind of high value items. So it's things like the, the music equipment, IT equipment, doing the asset check, do we all know them? Most secondary schools will accept that over a period of a couple of years, there will be, you know, data loggers, handheld cameras, other bits that get broken, get lost, and then it sometimes don't get picked up. So the school has a perception of having more kit that it needs. But, you know, right. it's it's public funds. It's, it's yeah. an expensive kit. Same with musical instruments. You know, they, they often get loaned out to kids. Schools often will have Perry teachers coming in to support music and learning. Keeping track of where those kits loaned out is important because capital funding and budgets for schools, as we know, is minuscule. So it's important to kind of pull that bit together. Um, and then I suppose the other big check on that is about reviewing our minutes from the last year. You know, one of the important things when there's an offset inspection, but I think also just self-reflectively about whether you're actually making an impact, is to look at the minutes of your meetings and actually see whether there's clear evidence of the question and challenge that the governing body are doing. If there isn't, then there's only two things that are happening. Either you're not asking questions, you're just sitting as an audience listening to the heads report and SLT. Yeah or your clerk isn't signposting effectively in those minutes. And again, when officers come knocking on your door and looks at the effectiveness of your leadership and management and within that your governance, they will look at your core minutes and if <laughs> it's not signposted that there's challenge and questioning, mm -hmm. then they will probably challenge and question the governing body that attend on the day and ask the question, why not? Mm -hmm. So there's some really good best practice in terms of you know highlighters and, and signposting out where that challenge is. But I'd say, well, start the year as you mean to go on and really yeah. focus on that. So I think those are kind of the, the obvious bits that I'd say is a good checklist starting point. Okay, excellent. There's a couple of things that you mentioned there which, um, which stood out for me. You were talking about pupil premium and uh, acceptable use and safeguarding and how those need to be evidenced on the school websites in yeah. particular. And obviously that there is information there uh, from the, the governorship for, for parents, for, for inspectors who come in, uh, and for the, the, the public as a whole to be able to see for that, for that school or for that academy. Um, in terms of that, uh, how can governors be proactively checking school websites? Are there, are there any tips that you can give with regards to that? There's, there's quite a few different things. I mean, the first thing I'd say is when, and I know we often have, you know, Ofsted hanging over us as the sword of Damocles, <laughs> but it's an important point. When Ofsted come round to visiting your school, in advance of attending your school, they only have two things they can look at. They can have a look at your performance data that your school has published, and they look at your website to see and learn about your school and gauge how effective and up-to-date you are in terms of how you share information. And so the website is an important point. Um, there are lots of things that governors can do to be proactive. There are some things that are very obvious for a governor. Is it the right list of governors on the website, the responsibilities? Is the, yeah. This year's pecuniary interest we talked about is the form listed there, attendance and so on. Um, the key and other places provide really good checklists that are required as part of your expected compliance from an Ofsted point of view. But you know, top of my head if you're going through it, school's contact details, um, admission arrangements, the latest Ofsted report being accessible, the most current and recent exam results, could mm -hmm. include prior year, are on the website and accessible. Details from your curriculum point of view, so the, all the different curriculum areas, headline details about those areas and what, what is provided and offered. 
all the policies that relate to the school, because it could be things like complaints and attendance policies and so on, mm. they all need to be updated and available on the website so that parents can access the information. The complaints procedure, regrettably at times there are complaints, so that needs yeah. to be there. Um, I would always say in terms of governors, make sure as well as being up to date in attendance, a, a way to contact the Chair of Governors, that links back to your whistleblowing policy, mm -hmm. you could be a member of staff that has an issue that wants to declare something but doesn't want to go via the clerk and via the, the, the head, so you have a an email address of, you know, chair at, for mm -hmm. example, that's mm -hmm. a really important point. Um, pupil premium, and if you're in primary, sports premium as well, those things need to be declared. That's a really important one because, you know, there's money coming in and what you have to evidence, and Ofsted will rightly challenge is, how is that ring fence money being used for those targeted students mm -hmm. to help raise standards? Mm -hmm. And some schools perhaps fall foul of making that summary very, very brief. And in effect, what they're saying is, you know what, we're using that money to supplement general day-to-day -day staffing costs, whereas the, the better reports give much more of a breakdown and itemise the different interventions, activities, yeah. purchases that relate to that. It's a, it's a piece of work. I know most schools struggle and quite hard work with the pupil premium. However, they very much value that extra financial top-up that comes in from it. Same with sports premium. In the last few years, sports premium has been doubled from the, the, the contribution to schools. So again, schools need to evidence how that's being used. Uh, SEND information, all the governor details, attendance and so on as we talked about. Uh, school values often gets forgotten. Mm. A summary of school values. Um, and then the, the final one, you know, like, kind of the headline ones is, um, school websites should under the contact details provide a method for a parent to request paper copies of any information that's on the website. Okay. Now, you know, in my idea is, well, if you're on the website and you're looking, print it out. Yep. But not everybody has access to a printer and perhaps no. some people that have access to a PC and a website. So in terms of accessibility, someone knows that they can contact and say, can you send me paper copies of these policies, this page and so yep. on. Um, and I think if you pull those bits together, that's kind of your checklist. As I say, the key and other places provide really good checklists that you can go down for your website to make sure it's all up to date. But it's not bad policy to have somebody on the governing body have a check every now and again to make sure it's mm -hmm. up to date. And if you get somebody join the governing body or leave, or you ratify some policies, then surely you've got a checkpoint that says, well, that should then be updated on the website, hopefully in the next week or two, once they've all been um, cleared and finalized. So again, just a few more little pointers, really. Yeah, brilliant. I, and obviously, you know, for, for your role, it's very clear talking to you, obviously, the experience that, that you've got as a governor, but also the skills that you've been able to bring from, from a commercial background, you're being a, a business owner and a business leader, into helping uh, the, the governor's uh, bodies that, that you work with. Just thinking about that, you know, outside of a school, how can governors actually develop you know, their, their skills and ideas to then be able to help direct a school and, and influence the, the school for the better? Well, I think there's definitely an overlap in terms of the, the business education. Um, it's, it's more obvious in the academy structure where um, academies are run in many ways like a business, except the focus, I certainly hope in all cases, is around outcomes, not profit. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's the, key, yeah. that's the key differential. So business skills definitely come across. And if we think about um, the, the focus from the DfE, for, for, for certainly for recent years, you know, a recruitment of governors should be skills-based. So one thing which isn't your start of the year thing, but certainly something you should have concluded at some point during your year, is you've done a skills audit of your governors, so you can see the gaps where people do and don't have experience. That will mm -hmm. feed into some of your training programs. So that's another one on your checklist to add in there, get a skills audit underway. Yeah. So if you've got people from outside, whatever their interest or experience is, you, there are things that are you know 
you need to understand about being in a school, whether it's the concept of what needs to be done about safeguarding, mm. understanding the data that's presented, you know, what, what the school uh, attainment data is, being able to read that and understand so that you can provide effective challenge, you know, and if in doubt, the most appropriate question is always why. Mm. Whatever the school says of the head of advisors, we're going to do this, it's not unreasonable to say why. You would hope in 95% of the cases, the response will give you reassurance they've considered other options. But in terms of that broader sense of training, there's a number of things, you know. In business, how do you get fresh ideas? You know, and I would argue sometimes it's situations like perhaps you and I, where we might bounce a few ideas off the wall as yeah. different business owners and say, you know, how did you do it? Let's share some ideas and topics. And I think the same applies in, in, in governance. The risk is, if you only have a conversation with the same people around the same table in your governing body, there's no influence of fresh ideas. Yeah. So I would always advocate to look externally, and there's, there's a number of different ways. Your local authorities traditionally or typically will run governor forums or governor briefings on a termly basis. And they're a really good way just to get a sense of what's happening, what changes there are. Often there'll be things that you've already had emails and news about, but it helps to condense it and gives you a contact with a central point. Of course, part of that is actually about meeting other governors at other school and a chance for that networking, that coffee afterwards to have a chat and and share ideas. Um, lots of cities have government leadership groups. We certainly do in Peterborough, which is um, a group that I chair for the Peterborough schools, where basically more experienced governors from lots of different schools get together, provide some challenge to the local authority about issues and context. It might be about school places, building, might be about the provision of um, ed psych for SEND, which is always a challenge in terms of finding appropriately qualified people to deliver that. Um, but actually, nobody sits around that table saying, I'm the most experienced and I know all this because it's a constantly yeah. changing landscape. And what you actually want is people from different schools who have different contexts and different challenges and you learn from each other. Um, and so in many regions, and again, I can, I can only talk about sort of the East of England region, you know, there are governor conferences and events that are done locally, which are a fantastic way to network. What also happens in many schools is you'll find that your, um, your perhaps in a secondary example, you'll find that your heads will meet as a secondary heads group and they will be sharing leadership ideas. And there's opportunities to meet up with two or three of the chairs of schools within your area and have an informal kind of triad or group meeting where you can exchange ideas and challenge as well. Um, and I think that's great for more experienced leaders. For less experience, get on the, the training courses with the local authority and go along to some of the local authority briefings meet other governors in the same situation and you'll be able to pick up and share ideas. But there is never a silly question as a governor and I, I don't agree that a, a governor in their first year in a school um, is somehow less effective because actually those fresh questions asking because there's not a lack of understanding, you know. The number of times a, governor, a new governor will say, look, I'm really sorry to ask the question, but you know, what does this four letter acronym stand for? And there's plenty of governors who've been there four years who are thinking, thank God he asked, because I still haven't figured it out myself. <laughs> it's a case of, you know, it's about contribution, it's about working together. So, so absolutely look to the, the local context for other schools and governor leadership groups where you can actually gather that additional information. Um, and I think those bits kind of fall quite nicely because one of the things we talked about in terms of, you know, updates and things we get news on in our most recent stuff will have been things like keeping children safe in education, mm. 2018 update. Um, and that's extended slightly from all the typical things we talk about in terms of safeguarding and you know having appropriate filtering and so on on websites, the area that obviously that I'm very much involved in, um, age-appropriate filtering, having those pre the, the prevent duty tick boxes and so on. Mm. But there's an area that's probably been moved on again, which is dovetails in about you know things like um, uh, 
um, the broader topics of bullying and peer-to-peer bullying and so on. Mm. And obviously, given that your your area of specialty and expertise is very much in, you know, e-safety and empowering young people as digital citizens and providing safe environments for them with um, GoBubble and eCadets, you know, it's quite interesting and good timing to get your take on what some of the new things are that governors perhaps should be checking that the school are actually thinking about. Yeah, definitely. I, I think for me, one of the the biggest uh, changes to come through from the the updated uh, keeping children safe in education is that theory that it could happen here, and it's helping governors and governing bodies in in academy chains and and in schools to understand and the, and the proprietors as well to understand that okay, it might not have happened in the past. It might not have happened in the the family of schools that that school sits within, but it still could. And it's making people aware that there is that ever-present risk. That's not to drive fear into the hearts of governors. It's just to open up their minds to, to that thinking. And also with regards to that, you know, it does specify in the, in the paper that you know, abuse in any of the forms isn't necessarily an adult towards a child. It can actually be peer-on-peer, and it can be child-to-child. And because of that, you know, it opens up in terms of the peer-on-peer within the, the paper, talking about how that can be bullying, how it can be physical attack, how it can be sexual, how it can be sexting, but also how it can be hazing rituals. You know, and there are aspects there around you know self-harm and how some children who are self-harming may actually start to copy others. So there's lots of different ways that sort of fall under the banner of, of safeguarding now under the paper. I think particularly when looking for, for governors and the governance side of it, there's a, a couple of areas which it undermines, again, you know, for the websites and for policies that, that have to be present. So, you know, accept all use policy, safeguarding policies, child protection, yes, they all have to be present. I think one of the interesting things, it actually asks that are children being able to actively influence and direct the acceptable use policies, for example. So looking at the role that we have with eCadets, you know, over the past couple of years, We've had e-cadets go into the governor's meetings for their schools and actually give the governors updates on this is the training we've been delivering, these are the topics we've been covering off, and actually in some cases helping to give some training back to the governors so the kids have actually been training governors themselves on. Uh, Which is a fantastic thing to see, isn't it, really? Yeah. That really summarises the benefit of having a, a school-led process within e-cadets. Yeah, completely, and, it, and it's very much that whole school uh, approach, which again, you know, the Keeping Children Safe in Education paper pushes forward, is that looking at that big picture. What I would say for, for, for governance uh, and for, for governor bodies is looking at that role of the child, you know, not just ECONETS, but looking at the role of the child and children, either through the school council uh, or any of the leadership groups, the empowerment groups that might be present, to get them to feed into some of the policies where appropriate is always good and evidence it that's one of the things that the keeping children safe in education says is yes you can do it but evidence it as well exactly as you were saying you know if you look at inspectors and what they're going to look at one of the things there is where's the evidence you know, show me you've done yeah. it um and that, that's really important obviously yes you, you mentioned uh, that it reiterates and reinforces again rightly the importance of filtering and broadband obviously you know the fantastic suites of products that net support have helps with regards to that and then also which again i know is very much your ethos it does underline as well that governors should be aware about over blocking and to make sure that everything is appropriate. 
And the final thing, again, it just reinforces that every child needs to be taught online safety. Every child needs to have that aspect, uh, not just as one assembly or as one day a year, uh, but actually how it can feed into different lessons and different curriculum areas. So I think, in a way, it's good. The update, you know, the updated paper is, yes, it's very big, <laughs> it's, it's very lengthy, um, but, and it's shadows like me who've read it. Uh, but, you know, when pulling out sort of the key distinctions for the governors, you know, it's making sure, yes, you know, all the policies are up to date, involve the kids where possible in feeding into those policies, um, look at the whole school approach, uh, and ensure that you've captured that evidence about where things can happen and be alert to the peer-to-peer. Brilliant. Well, I think you, I was going to ask the question about whether you uh, got any top questions that you think governors should be asking, but I think you've probably given us a fairly good food for thought there, which is which is absolutely fantastic. And you know, and hopefully, as, as a short um, little summary today, it gives um, governors a bit of good food for thought on some of the things they should be asking. And um, you know, I would always say, as, as one governor to many others, you know, a big thank you and, and respect to everybody that gives up their time for free to try and. Um, make every child have the opportunities they deserve in education, which is what it's all about. Definitely. Good to chat with you, Henry, as always. Yep, lovely speaking to you too. Thank you. Net Support Radio. For the latest in technology and education news.